This holiday season, please consider supporting the Cato Institute and specifically the Cato Daily Podcast. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. If you support Cato with a donation of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout out on the podcast, or you can designate another individual to receive that benefit and all the other benefits of being a Cato sponsor. That website again is cato.org slash podcast sponsor. And thank you for your generosity. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 6, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. What will sports betting look like in the years to come since the Supreme Court provided some important guidance? Now, what does that mean for states looking to sports betting as a source of revenue? Doug Kellogg directs state projects at Americans for Tax Reform. We spoke in Colorado Springs in October. With respect to uh, sports betting, uh, there was the NCAA Supreme Court case. Uh, Correct. Recently, how did that essentially change the map with respect to uh, sports betting? Yeah, so there's something called the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, um, which is constantly called PASPA, which is great. So nobody can understand what anybody's talking about. But that legislation, thanks to a lawsuit from state of New Jersey, uh, which is initiated under Governor Chris Christie, um, led to a Supreme Court decision last year, which uh, I think got a lot of publicity, so people are probably aware. Um, but that's the root of it. That Supreme Court decision went the way of overturning uh, PASPA. And with that legislation overturned, it became back on states. And now states across the country have the opportunity to legalize sports betting if they want to, which they could not do since uh, 1992, since that law was in place. Um, so that is the big shift. And now we have... Uh, I think that for many conservatives and libertarians, the way federalism and states, uh, state policy should work, it should be up to states now to determine uh, how this policy works best for them. And they don't have to have it, as many states still do not. Many states have legalized. And now we're at the point where I think it's very exciting. We can see states uh, uh, implementing sports betting with good policy, good tax policy, particularly from an Americans for tax reform perspective, we're interested in free market policy and good tax policy, and some with less great policy. And we can let that uh, that um, laboratory of democracy do its thing. So uh, how have states yeah. responded thus far? Well, we've seen a lot of different examples. So um, I think the, the number one success story and it's hard to believe sometimes uh, when you, when this comes out of my mouth, but it's New Jersey because they were the ones who initiated the lawsuit. And so they were first to act. New Jersey legalized sports betting. And uh, they did it with, I think, there's a lot of complexity in how the, how the legislation works. And obviously, each state is different. I think the big things to remember there is low tax rates uh, to moderate tax rates. So a digital bet, something like 13% tax, 8.5% in-person tax rate very modest. For comparison, Nevada still, which is the only state that had legalized sports betting before, had the lowest rate, 6.25%. So it's a lot of numbers. Basically, New Jersey, relatively low taxes. They also have statewide digital betting, which is something that back in 1992, this would have meant almost nothing to any of us. But when we think about it today, I think we can all understand we all have smartphones in our hands probably right now or listening to this on smartphones, how important that piece of technology is. And I think that that is where this industry is just going to go bonkers and do things we can't totally predict. But with statewide digital betting, it means that anybody in New Jersey can place a bet in the state on their phone. And that has caused a huge boom in economic activity on this front. So uh, a lot of I can remember the complaints and 
of, I mention this too often, my home state of Kentucky, the arguments over uh, like casino betting and uh, sports betting are is sort of a small part of this that these locations, the the places where you'd have to go to uh, lay these bets, um, frankly, would bring a lot of social ills mm-hmm. with with them. Is that is that a concern with sports betting or the fact that you can do so? Uh, digitally without a whole lot of uh, physical infrastructure, um, does that change things for, for, for a lot of those people? I think, well, and to answer this question, I have to try to project a little bit for, for somebody who is on a different side of this issue um, who would be more concerned than, uh, than we would be. But uh, I think that there certainly was a concern there. Obviously, just the general proliferation of sports betting uh, is a concern. Um, but I think it's it's very interesting the the digital side of things um, because geolocation is so strong. I think that there are not many valid concerns there. So maybe somebody would have a different argument that I'm not aware of. Um, but geolocation is pretty strong. And again, states are very different. Some states you would essentially have to go into a casino in person. And for any of us who have ever done this in Vegas. You sign a bunch of tax forms, you have ID. So if a state doesn't allow you to register online without doing something in person, you wouldn't even be able to attempt that. You would have to go someplace in person, register. I think that would neutralize any concern there, I think, on the digital side. Um, you know, there is a big question, of course, because some people will have some concerns about, do we want more people betting on sports? And some of that may be a personal decision, but I think the real issue in terms of integrity and the moral side of this is we have a ton of money here in sports betting. Just because it has not been legal for a long time does not mean people are not placing bets on sports. And I don't think even the most well-behaved among us would require too much convincing. They probably have a friend who places a bet somewhere. Um, What's very interesting is you know, it's funny. I was listening to an audiobook about the mafia, and back in the day, they're the ones ones uh, running sports betting because it's illegal everywhere, and it's a massive industry, and it's getting this huge boon from it. Well, what's the version of that today? It's offshore sports betting and money that is going to very concerning places, and we, uh, you know, for good reason because it's illicit betting. It's hard for us to know exactly where it's going, but offshore it can go. It could be run by uh, operations in China. It could be money could go to terrorism. We don't really know how, how bad it can be. So addressing that and bringing that money out of the shadows into an upstanding industry is a huge win for integrity. It's a huge win for transparency. Now we have the ability, uh, these companies are incentivized naturally to track betting activity. So I'd say there's a huge incentive there. A number, there are all sorts of numbers. It's billions of dollars of illicit betting. And you know, a number from ESPN was about ninety-five billion before legalization of football bets alone being done illegally. So it's a significant amount of money. So for states that are looking at this, uh, and of course you're bringing the Americans for Tax Reform perspective mm-hmm. here, uh, what are some best practices from your perspective uh, when it comes to legalizing sports betting and making sure that? The state is, uh, well, not collecting too much revenue overall. Right. Well, I think that the good side of uh, the good news for uh, folks who may be not on our total wavelength in terms of keeping taxes low and and government small and manageable, um, we might disagree with them on that front. But 
the states that are implementing sports betting well in our book, which is we don't cover every side of this. We don't cover whether you should bet on peewee leagues or college sports. That's for you guys to determine. But on the tax side of things, the low tax states, the low licensing fee states look to be in the best shape. I mean, New Jersey is the best example. They're bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and getting close to catching up to Nevada in terms of overall uh, bets being placed in the state. So that number is massive. And what I mentioned before, they'd have done well on tax rates. They've also avoided bad policies. I think some very key examples to look at, which will be very fascinating, will be Indiana. Um, Indiana, probably not the first state that jumps to mind, legalized sports betting this session. They're right next to Illinois. Illinois is imposing a tax rate of 15%, which is getting up there. Uh, There's some analysis, and this was done in European countries, so a little bit different, but that as you start to get to 15% and over, the amount of the cost of the bet starts to uh, disincentivize people placing bets and the overall activity will go down. So it'd be very interesting to see, do people from Illinois with a higher tax rate uh, start going to Indiana? Indiana's early numbers look good. The industry in each of these states is, is so new. I mean, it's hard to compare just yet. So I would look to those states. I'd also note that a state like Pennsylvania, which has the most overwhelmingly terrible uh, tax rates is a 36% effective tax rate and a $10 million licensing fee because of that cost, probably the licensing fee more, more so had months of delay since that before, between when they legalized and when they actually had an operator in the state and that cost the state a lot of revenue. Rhode Island was disappointed. Again, there's a smaller state and people may find this amusing because they love the Patriots so much. Uh, their sports books lost uh, lots of money because all the people in Rhode Island bet on the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, and uh, they did. So, uh, you know, that's a rough start. Um, so there are little things like that that can be a little bit anecdotal, but uh, it'll be very interesting to see as it progresses. Some of the more in-the-weeds policy, which has very, become very timely since the NBA has decided to pick massive PR fights uh, defending uh, China, is that the NBA is probably the leading league in terms of pushing for states and soon they'll probably try the federal government to insert themselves in the process. And what do I mean by that? Uh, they want what are called integrity fees or data mandates, which are a little obtuse, but what essentially an integrity fee is, is saying that because of this burden that's now being placed on the NBA, which by the way, will make a ton of money because betting is legalized, um, states have to say that sports books have to hold aside 0.25% to 1% of their total bets and give that money to the leagues because of this burden. So it's essentially a state saying, and I think, which is fair to say a bit of an abuse of their taxing power, we're going to impose this burden directly on one business for now. I don't think is a great reason. And that money is, it's not going to government. That money's going to the NBA because they're so burdened by sports betting. It's a very bizarre policy. Sports books, and hopefully this isn't in two in the weeds, but because they take in a lot of bets, but a sports book keeps about 5% of that. So when you take a bur- as total bets as the area you're going to impose a 1% fee on, well, that can end, if it's 5%, that ends up being you know, 20, 25% of um, their revenue, what they're actually holding and taking back, which is probably why that number came down a little bit. It's a, it's a significant burden. Why that's, in short, why that's very important is that a sports book cannot easily pass down a cost to a consumer. Not that any business necessarily wants to, but if they do that, they're literally arch, uh, altering the nature of the deal because your odds are part of your betting calculus. So if those get too distorted, well, then people may stay offshore. 
I'm not the most hardcore gambler, but I'm, I'm told by some people who are more interested in, in betting that will affect their decision at some point. So that's why it's significant. But I think we can all agree it's a little dumb to be have estates using their taxing authority to say one business needs to give money to this other business, even though we have a perfectly functioning market otherwise. Will Indiana be the a test case for that because they've got the Pacers right there in Indianapolis? Well, it, it, Indiana will not because Indiana has done a good job in their legalization. So they did not impose these policies. There are two states and Michigan's getting very close now as we speak. Um, that have implemented sports betting with some form of a data mandate. No states have done an integrity fee, but the data mandate is essentially is a similar but less blatant way to get a cut for the leagues. It says you have to use the, if you're a sports book, you have to use the official sports data provider of the NBA. And the NBA already, without the government doing anything, these leagues are getting all sorts of great deals, signing up uh, data agreements to be the official sports data provider. That's totally fine. It's just... Not okay when government then steps in and says, you have to use the sports data provider, even though there are other options on the market that you may find more competitive. And there's no real reason for us to make this happen other than the NBA has good lobbyists. I mean, because you guys can arrange this on your own and negotiate on your own. We shouldn't be forcing two private businesses to do business together. Um, so that's the, the that's where they've had some success. Tennessee has a data mandate and Illinois has... This is starting to get really technical, but a data mandate, but only on in-play bets. So this is getting more hardcore, but if you do in-play prop bets, the odds are changing in the second quarter because, you know, LeBron James sprained his ankle. Um, now the rate, you know, the the point spread maybe goes down for the Lakers or something like that. So in-play bets, uh, Illinois has a mandate. Michigan may do that. We'll see. We'll see. So I mean, the way to kind of put a bow on all that is we have a functioning market. These companies exist. They're service providers for sports data. And it's been litigated in court already in the past that sports data statistics are public information. They're facts. They're just observable occurrences. And that's why newspapers are printing them forever. And there's no problem there, right? You can observe the facts and you can report that. And uh, there's no reason now for government years later after this has been litigated in court just because of... Uh, uh, sports betting being more broadly legalized or the option being more open to step in now and start manipulating private businesses. Doug Kellogg directs state projects for Americans for tax reform. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.